Welcome to Minx Your Morning, a podcast and Instagram live show brought to you by me, Liat Horowitz, your coach and cheerleader, helping you live the life you love. This is the daily dose of motivation you need to lift your spirits, clarify your goals, and set your intentions for a power day ahead. Stick with me to learn how to minx your morning and elevate your life. I am excited to introduce you to Erin Fisher from The Awakening Self. This is the first of hopefully many conversations that I'm going to have with him about what's truly important in life and how to awaken the real aspects of ourselves. Aaron shared parts of his life story with us, including living in China for nine years, the current work that he's doing in the world, and so much more. Whether you feel like you fit in the world around you, or for some reason you don't, Listen up to this episode for some grounding, some inspiration, and a lot of good vibes. Let's get into it. I just wanted to start by asking you to take this moment to actually introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Yeah, that's a really big question when I think about it. My background, born in Toronto, uh, two parents, mother from Morocco, father from Israel, his parents from Lithuania, a little bit of a mixed thing. Spent a lot of our time as a youth traveling a lot, moving from house to house to house. And it was great. As a kid, I grew up as a why child. I always wanted to know why. The only issue with that was our educational systems weren't designed for kids that were curious. So when I asked why, it was more like, why are you asking why? You know, it's like, but this is how it is. So that led me off into a whole life of like, well, if education's not going to teach me, then maybe other things will, maybe other experiences will. So I experimented with a lot of things as a kid. I got into a lot, a lot of trouble, which was great because I wanted to know, I, I just wanted to understand this world. I wanted to know why it worked, you know, and even growing up, I didn't understand like, the idea of like the popular, the cool group. There's like a group of people that are considered to be cool, but I was fitting in with them and it didn't feel comfortable. And then there was a group of people that I just fucking loved. Then there's just a group that I, you know, you belong to. So what is cool? What is uncool in the minds of others? So I got into a lot of trouble. I got expelled from my school. I actually got expelled from the province of Ontario, moved to Israel, went to a kibbutz and then, Got kicked out of the foot and um, <laughs> then ended up fast tracking through school because I wanted to graduate at the same time as my friends. And at the time when I finished high school, most people are like, like, we didn't even think you'd do it. Right. We have quite a bit in common, weirdly enough. I mean, my ancestors, as in grandparents and their parents are from Eastern Europe, Lithuania, Latvia, Germany. But the kibbutz story. So my brother lives on a kibbutz in the north of Israel. And I am born as well, even though my parents are South African. So it's just so interesting how like, this is why I love speaking to people because everyone has a story. Even though you're like born in Toronto, raised here, you know, there's so much in that that could be a conversation just on its own. So that's really fascinating. Okay, so you finished school, you went through all this stuff. Tell us about who you are now. I mean, there's a lot in between, I get it. But like, 
I just heard about you. Let me preface this. I heard about you from your neighbor, who is a friend of mine. And when I took off a gift for her or I picked up something there a few months ago, somehow she told me about you. And I was like, how do I not know who you are? We live in the same neighborhood. We're not necessarily doing the same things, but there is a crossover. And she was like, I don't understand how you don't know who he is. You have to follow. And so that's how I came to know who you are. And every time I've like gone onto your feed or seen some of your content pop up, I'm always inspired. I'm always intrigued. My creativity juices start flowing because I see your photography. Of course, you're into, you're an athlete, you're into sport. I'm a runner. I'm also plant-based. Like there's so many connections here. And I feel like your whole story is a chapter in itself. But I want to get into some other questions. So if we can... Tell us where you're at right now. Tell us who's Aaron now, if if you can even define it. So if we're going to speak about titles, I am a co-founder of a company called Copper 88. I'm also a mindset coach. I do a lot of endurance sports and I work with different charities and different people throughout the whole city. And um, so that's just the quick gist of it. Okay. So let's take one of those and unpack it. Okay. The word mindset, bit of a buzzword. I love it. I get it. I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed by it because they don't necessarily understand what the concept means or what it's about. So if someone were to ask you, what is a mindset coach or what does mindset mean to you? What would you say to that? Mindset is just about taking away and making people aware of their limiting beliefs. The thing is, it's You know, I started with my story of the youth because that is my perspective, the youth. And through my youth and growing up, I was given beliefs either from parents as institutions and stuff like that. Some have been positive, but some have been maybe negative, but not on purpose. For example, you could have been playing piano and you were so young and your piano teacher says, oh, you play so, so messy. And then all of a sudden you so messy you make your bed messy everything becomes messy because they put a belief into your head and then your perceptions change and that's what you saw so the idea is we all have the ability to do whatever it is that we truly want to do if we believe we can so what stops us from believing i am like so in tune with what you're saying right now because it's literally so on my radar for so many years i guess i wanted to believe that and knew it like intellectually, but wasn't able to like physically just like live it and be it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did a lot of hard work over the past few years to get to this point now where it is actually that simple. You can be and do whatever you want. You just have to decide it and then go fucking do it, right? So I also read on your LinkedIn profile that you lived in China. So I'm assuming there's a lot of stories around that from when you left school till now. Can you tell us a bit about China? What was that about? What did you do there? How was it? Yeah, China was so back to the story of being a Y child and asking a lot of questions. You know, when I got to the age of about 22, I had a company and I was trying to look around and I'm like, I don't believe at the age of 22, life is about getting married, then having kids and then getting a house. I don't even know who the hell I am. And I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with somebody else. And like, that doesn't make sense to me. So I jumped on a plane and I went to China. And the good thing about China is I still remember saying this. And I just had a conversation with somebody. And I said, right when I got off the plane in China, I felt like I was at home. It just felt right. 
And later on, we had the conversation. And I feel that the reason why it felt so right was because for 22 years of my life, finally, I did have to carry around the stories of who I was. I could be whoever, whoever I could be. Nobody knew my past. I am whoever I choose to be. And I decided to become a consultant. And the good thing is being in China, it's like, they're like, uh, show us your credentials. I'm like, yes. And like, I gave them like a CD with my friend's numbers on them. And they'd be like, did he work for you? And they're like, yes. So I, you know, I ended up being consultant and working with great companies, great people. And it was phenomenal. And, you know, there's a saying, fake it till you make it, which I think is bullshit. It's believe it until you achieve it because you're not faking anything in this world. Yes. Believe it until you achieve it. I love that so much. You're so right. How long did you end up living there for? So I was there for nine years. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a one or two year stint. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. I actually, uh, I was a consultant. I opened up an art gallery where I sold my art to help kids in the country start their education. Um, I worked on summer programs and winter programs with children. Um, I loved it there. It was incredible. It feels so far away, but yet it obviously wasn't for you. You just went and you did it. Did you come back here after those nine years? Yep, came back here. I, I felt that after nine years of being away and doing all those things, uh, I felt that you can get to great places in your life. You can achieve amazing things in your life. But at the end of the day, it's what relationships do you wish to create? And the one relationship I never really had was with my parents. And I didn't want to live any longer in my life without fully understanding my mom and my dad. We spoke, we talked, we love each other, but we never really spoke, spoke to each other. It's like having a mother and father, but not really, really knowing them as the person. And that's something that I didn't really know because I took them for granted as being a parent. Ooh, how did you realize that? That's a massive realization. You know, they say it's um, sometimes the best thing that we can do in life is reach our dreams. So we realize that they're actually not what we want. So you reach your dreams, you're working at with multi. For me, it was like going over this idea, belief that I'm stupid, I can't achieve it. And then working with the highest like multinational companies, Fortune 500 companies and achieving it and being like, what's missing? Like if I died right now, what would I regret? And it was like, not knowing my mother, not knowing my father, not really being connected with my family. Like everything in this life is borrowed. We come to this world with everything that we need and we die with everything, but it's in the middle What's the stories? What's the things that we want to create? How do we want to write our chapters and our stories? And the one chapter that would never have completed, my story would never have been completed if I didn't have that chapter of my parents. Beautiful. That is amazing. When you said you're like 22 years old, you've like done what everyone said you kind of should do. And you're like, no, what is this? I did the same thing at 23. I went to South America. I didn't go to China. I just went South. And well, that side, I did the same. I went to South America to kind of find myself. It's like the weirdest thing. And if I may say one thing, my parents always, always, always instilled in me and gave me was the gift of travel. Not necessarily. They didn't say here's however much money, go travel. But it was like travel is the best education you can ever get. So go 
I will, at 18, I went to Europe on Kentucky. At 19, 20, I went to Thailand for six weeks. Like one South African Jewish white girl gets mm-hmm. a and just off she goes to Thailand. Okay, I went with two friends, but still. And then a year later, we went to Brazil. I got the biggest culture shock of my life. Arrived in Sao Paulo. I don't know if you've been to South America. Arrived in Sao Paulo was the World Cup where Brazil was like in the semifinals. The city, the country was going insane. And there's me thinking, oh, I can travel the world. I yeah. left my hotel, not even hotel, where was it called? Like a B&B, Posada, like a hostel. And I just wouldn't even leave. I was so scared. And then slowly but surely you get out in the world and you like can be free to be exactly who you are. And I miss that every day, that feeling of like, that gypsy feeling, that feeling of like you can be anyone, anywhere, in the best way. You know what I mean? Like you can write your own story. My parents used to say, because they traveled most of their lives. So they, they when I said, all right, I'm going to go, they're like, okay. You know, love, support, allowed me to go for as long as I wanted. And of course, my mom wanted me to come back because that's just my mom. And the thing about our stories is not everybody is blessed to have amazing parents. We're not. We're not. And, you know, it's something that we kind of take for granted. A lot of us can take for granted a lot because they've seen us in the lows of the lows and the highs of the highs. And one of the things about a parent is they look at you and you're the most beautiful thing in their world. And then they close the door and then they worry about all the things that the world can bring. And they deal with that for so many years and they still put food on the table and they still take care of you. There's things that I don't take for granted and they're, they're definitely not ones that I do. The best thing about the world and travel is getting lost in the world to realize that you were never lost to begin with. You were just looking in all the wrong places. Reminds me of, I'm assuming you've read this book, The Alchemist, right? Sure. I don't usually tell this out loud, but I will tell you because I feel like you'll understand this. When I was in my university years, in my early 20s, I indulged in all the self-help books. So Paolo Coelho was like right up there, top of the charts. And even though it was like the main author at the time, I really, really loved his stuff from the alchemy. But I read everything. I read all of it. And then he had, I think it was his biography that spoke about Brazil and Rio de Janeiro and the beaches and the dancing and the music. And that's why I phoned my bestie at the time. And I was like, we are going to Brazil. She was like, okay. She's the kind of person that if I phone her and I say, we're going to Siberia, she'd be like, she's the best. Talia. Ali and I went off to Brazil when we were 20 years old because of him. And then we saw that everyone was backpacking for like six months or a year. We were only doing three weeks. So we went back after we finished university. Like life just unfolded from that. From that trip, it was like pinnacle life-changing for me because of Paolo. So I give him all the credit. One day, maybe I'll meet him, maybe I won't. But like the story is there. So interesting. Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about your book. Because I read, oh, I read an excerpt from your book that you put on Instagram and I was blown away. So I wanted to start this part of the conversation reading it. You are simply amazing. Those who try to make you feel as if you are not are just confused at how something as wonderful could have even created. I mean, what is that? Tell me about that. That is just magnificent. Thank you. The whole idea of my book that I wrote was, there's three. So I've written three books. This is the only one that I actually published to the public. The first one was to go through that limiting belief of, 
I'm not an author. I can't do this. And then I did it just to show myself I could. The second one was memoirs that I just do journals that I wrote. And this one, yeah, it was the one that I wanted to publish for the public. And it's my thought. It's my thought process. It's growth. It's learning. It's development. It's my own journal. And I just write it. I just put it in there. So sometimes you just sit there and you have these most amazing thoughts and you just put them down. This book wasn't written for everybody. I wrote it for myself. And that's why everybody can resonate with it. But if I try to write it for other people, then nobody resonates with it because then I'm trying to guess what people want. If you understand your human experience, like our weaknesses, our flaws, our I don't want to get up, I'm not worth it. I feel amazing. This world is like the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows, the, the spectrums of life. Then when you share yours, people kind of, they resonate with it. <laughs> they say that, there's like the word bipolar, you're either one or the other. And you know, there's people that go through it. I call myself rainbow polar, because I experience all the colors and the spectrums of life. And some days I feel orange and purple and like, that's life. But I'm not that. That is being experienced through me. It's teaching me, but it is not me. So through these excerpts that I've written throughout the book, the one that you read as well is because people aren't going to understand you because they're so busy trying to understand themselves. So you wrote something that they could perhaps resonate within themselves and not about you. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And it's called Love Letters. So the book can be on, you can find it on Amazon. You just have to find Love Letters by Aaron Fisher. And then you have the... I love the cover. I love the whole vibe. I will be ordering one today. Mark my words. So if anyone else is interested, and I also think it's a beautiful thing, especially if you have kids in your home, the little that I've seen from your Instagram feed, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of self-respect. There's a lot of beautiful words, a lot of creativity. And I just think that having those kinds of vibes and things and words, and I would say, I call it an experience, really, just to have that around. Just open it once in a while, read it to your child. You know, I think that's a really, really nice thing that you can add into your home. And I think that we're missing a lot of that. You know, we get so caught up as parents or as people right now, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, where we should be going, what activities we should be doing, and actually really just picking up a book, being at home, quiet time is where a lot of the beauty can happen. So I love that. Can we talk about your morning routine quickly? Because I am a big, big advocate for an ideal morning routine, even though I'm struggling at the moment to wake up when I should, well, when I, I wake up. but the fact that you told me you didn't want to, if possible, you were very kind about it. You were like, could we maybe do the live a bit later? I was like, sure. And you told me you have this morning routine immediately. I was like, I want to know what it is. I want to know how you do it. <laughs> Inspire us. Tell us about your morning routine. My morning routine. It's interesting because I'm one, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of people that are out there that says that, you know, you have to have a morning routine. You have to wake up super early. You have to do all these things. I don't believe you do because even if you wake up later in the day, as long as you still have the same eight hours, you can still be as productive. But one thing that I picked up through my life was the routine that I created, which is I wake up and I do something that's called alpha priming. And alpha priming is about prepping your mind because when you wake up, you're in this alpha state. And I prep my mind and then I envision my problem. Like, what is the issue I'm going to have? Where do I feel it? And it doesn't matter, like it could be in the heart, it can be in the foot. Where am I feeling this? 
then I turn my head a little. What is one step I can do from solving this problem? And then I turn my head again. And how does it feel? How does it look after it's been solved? So that's how I started. Not that's just like a good minute in itself. And it could be for me. It could be for my parents. It could be for somebody else. But I pry my brain into the sense that's like, there's an issue. Where do you feel it? And I get myself to be really into it. And then I'm really focused in that state of mind. And then I go into my meditation. So I allow my meditation to be as long as it needs to be. So if it's a minute, it's a minute. If it's 40 minutes, it's 40 minutes. It's however long it feels. And there's no judgment in it. And I allow my body to tell me and allow it to happen. After that, I go into my prayers. And my prayers are, I wish something for me, myself, and everybody in the world. Step one. Step two is all the things that I'm grateful for, thankful for, and blessed for. Next, I talk about my angels, my guides, uh, celestials, everything that surrounds me, because I'm very big in believing in magic and all the beautiful things around us. And I ask for their guidance, I ask for their help, because I, oh, I don't know. I really don't. And it's a state of learning to surrender allows you to accept more. But when you're constantly in a grind of thinking you know, then you become very resistant. And then the idea of, um, you know, I, I have an affirmation that I'll say, like, today was, I prosper everybody, everybody prospers me. And then the last part is, I speak to the divine. And however the divine is, or whoever the divine is, or even if you don't believe in a divine, I speak to something. Okay. Even if... Even the divine is, is yourself. But for me, I speak to the divine and I thank it and I ask it for, um, you know, I thank it and I ask it to help me to become who I am so I can help inspire people to be who they can be and to remind us what it means to be connected, what it means to be together and what it means to be one. And then I finish that and then I go into the bathroom <laughs> I brush my teeth, I do tongue scraping, and then I do use a neti pot. So the neti pot is to clean out the nostrils. Yes. Yeah. So I balance myself out in the morning. And then I go into uh, the Tibetan five rituals, which is um, spinning around. It's pretty much to, to warm up your body. It's almost like a kundalini kind of thing where you're getting this beautiful breath going into your body. I do inversions. So I'll hang for about seven minutes upside down, and then I go for a run. You go for a run. And on a day like today? Yeah, I finished the run before we spoke. Beautiful. Yeah. I always find that when you see someone, like when you're driving your car and you see someone on a day like this running or when it's raining, I always feel like, I used to feel like, oh my gosh, how are they doing that? That's like insane. Until I actually started doing it. And you realize, in fact, running in the snow is, running when it's snowing is the best because it's not <laughs> And fall on your face it's very clean and and calming and the same with running you put a hat on and off you go what's the big deal and then now when i see people running in the rain or the snow i'm like yes so how long does that whole thing take you it can take me about two three hours depending on the day it depends on the meditation as well what a way to start the day like even yeah. if you just a smidgen of what you've just discussed like that that intentional start to the day is just, there's really nothing like it. Like I have a masterclass where I speak about your morning. Like it's called Minx Your Morning, actually, like this show. 
And it can mean that you spend one or two minutes planning for your day or setting your intentions or setting your mind or physically, whatever it is that you choose to do. And I give like a menu of options. You just like took that menu of options to, to like another, another realm with all those ideas. But the bottom line is that I think everyone needs to find what works for them by trial and error, if you agree with that. And then you live it and, and change it if you need to, adjust it when you want to. But having that like, sacred time to yourself in the morning is, it's honestly yeah. a gift. For me, it's like even when I travel and stuff, there's a, I have a non-negotiable. I have certain non-negotiables in my life. I don't, what, so let's say I'm traveling and I can't run and I can't use the neti pot and I can't do it. The one thing that I will never, like I, and I'm very cautious if I use the word always and never, but the one thing that I never will stop is my prayers. My prayers are my intention for myself. It's for my world. It's the way that I see compassion. It's the way that I even say in the beginning of my prayers, may I forgive, be forgiven, forgive myself, because I'm going to make a mistake. Somebody is going to make a mistake and that's okay. That's life. Everybody's learning. Mm -hmm. So that mindset is so key to start it. And then at night when I do my prayers, instead of sending the affirmation, I actually ask questions. So when I wake up, I have an answer because your brain is at a very still point. So it's this constant loop of reflection, morning, night. And I believe that all of us, no matter who you are, we have two to five minutes in the morning, two to five minutes at night. And those two to five minutes will make a difference. And it's not about starting with 15 things. It's about start with one yes. and allow the domino into more and more things or snowballs. Yes, I totally agree with you. Otherwise, it just feels too overwhelming. It's like, you know, where to start, what to do, trying to add it all on. I actually was working with a client yesterday and she was telling me that she just feels like she's not getting anything done. And I was like, well, what's on your list? And, so <laughs> things. and I'm like, well, your list is too long. Try one thing. If you get that thing done and you stick to it for a week or a month, then we can talk about the next thing on the list. It's like we just put so much pressure on ourselves to get shit done, really. And so I think that's the same with the morning routine. Like just start somewhere. Start with something that appeals to you and excites you and makes you feel good. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Erin, I mean, I feel like we could continue forever and a day. I kind of feel like if it wasn't programmed, we would need to go sit somewhere like in a, I don't know. I don't even know where it is, but I'm thinking like like kind of a cool coffee shop where there's cool, maybe a bit of shesh bash. You know what that is? Right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Like hang out, drink, talk about life for hours on end as if the world is just spinning. That's how I feel. So hopefully we can get to do that in person soon. As I mentioned before, something from the little that I follow on Instagram really speaks to me. And I hope that by doing this, it sheds some light on you for other people so that they can be inspired by your journey, your story, and your work, which is clearly something very special. And so thank you. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you so much for uh, asking me to be on this and sharing your time, your energy and everything. And yeah, I definitely hope in the future when things do calm down, we can all, we can sit, have coffee and just, just chat. I really do miss that aspect of the world of the, I'm a hugger. So not being able to hug people has been a little bit of a difficult thing for me. So I'm hoping that sooner or later we can get back into all this, fun, uh, all this stuff. But once again, thank you. Thank you so much for everything. 100%. I will be ready for that hike when we can. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Minx Your Morning. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, I would love it if you could take a moment to write a short review. Rate this episode and also subscribe to the Minx Your Morning podcast. That way, other passionate and driven people just like you will be able to find it. And if you're interested in kickstarting your dream life, book a complimentary trial coaching call with me over at www.liathorovitz.com and come and hang out with me over on Instagram. My handle is at Liat Horowitz. Have a minxful day and see you next time.